0: hey phil hey senda you want to talk about gming advice for reactive and proactive gms
1: i sure would do you want to use show notes or should we just wing it Welcome to another episode of Pandas Talking Games. I am your over caffeinated host Phil, and I am your normal uncaffeinated host Senda. <laughs> Woo! So before we get started tonight, I just want to make one quick announcement. This show will drop on the on Labor Day, which is uh, September third. On September fourth, Hydro Hacker operatives will release. It is its official release date. You will be able to go and purchase Hydro Hacker Operatives at Drive DriveThruRPG. It'll be available in both a uh, PDF and a uh, print-on-demand, black-and-white print-on-demand book. If you like your Dead Tree version, you can absolutely get that. The game is an ash can, but it is fully loaded. You can play a whole campaign uh, with the contents of this ash can. It's like about... a. I think it's like 75 pages of rules, six playbooks, um more than enough that you will then you will need to get uh to get started. The Ashcan I said is playable. What is missing, because that's what always people want to know, yeah, is the more elaborate Hydro Hack mini game. Uh that's not in there. The gear chapter for how to make gear make gear, even though there's gear included in the ash can. The more extensive version of that chapter is not there, as well as a more detailed history of the um, world, as well as the uh, location and expanded GMing advice. There's actually there is GMing advice in the Ashcan. There'll be a lot more because it's me who's writing it. So uh, the full game will have a lot more GMing advice. Of course. (laughs) So um, anyway, the Ashcan for Hydro Hackers comes out on september 4th which is tuesday uh, and you can pick it up and if by chance you are going to the queen city conquest there will be a limited number i'm not quite sure how many between 10 and 15 physical copies that will actually be available for purchase so that's our announcement and now we can kind of get on with the show Tonight's topic, I'm going to take tonight's topic, and there's a reason for that. What? Tonight's topic was inspired by Senda's proactive versus reactive gaming article that is out on Gnome Stew, which we'll have a link in the show notes for, if you haven't already read it. I suspect many have. Um, that then that article then inspired uh, Second Level Bard on Twitter to ask, really great article with lots of food for thought. Hey, I bet there's even more to explore on the subject. Say in a in a possible future pandas talking game episode. Yep, you're right, second level bard. <laughs> there is, uh, and that's what we're going to do tonight. But since this is Senda's article, uh, I'm going to ask Lady Panda to go over the definitions of proactive and reactive. And then I'll toss a few more definitions in to round out the discussion. So, Lady Panda. Tell me about proactive players.
0: So first I have to say, this is bizarro panda world because everything is backwards. (laughs) So the proactive player or GM is um, the player or GM who, who intentionally pushes the story, who has a direction and who is going to a specific spot, who has kind of done some planning and some prep and is doing the things versus the reactive player or GM is the player or GM who's going to follow the lead of the other folks at the table. Not necessarily meaning that they don't make decisions on their own, but they're going to play into the direction that the story is going. They're not necessarily there to push it in a specific direction, right? Does that, mm-hmm. did that kind of cover everything?
1: I mean, Do it, was you feel briefer, like? it was briefer than I, than I thought you were going to be, but then... I'm really verbose with these things. So,
0: well, you know, if I'd written it out, then it might have been longer, but instead, I was just doing it reactively.
1: <laughs> yeah, the proactive the proactive player is the kind of player that and, and by player we mean player, GMs are players too, right? Mm-hmm. The proactive player is a player who is planning ahead. Yes. So, as a GM, that is a GM that actually like plans like, plans out their adventures, right? Like, they know what's going to happen, they kind of write it all down, and then, like, they they work to make that happen in the game. The proactive player is the kind of player who, like, knows what their character is going to do before they get to the table. Like, tonight I'm going to confront the Baron, or I'm going to take these feats when I level up. Like, they're proactive, right? Like, they're doing that work and planning before they reach the table.
0: They're um, also the player who will do things like jump in to feed the gm you know hooks and stuff right so they're also that player they and then sometimes it happens proactively on the on the fly from the player side i think because they tend to be the people who are very active at the table um in terms of being like oh i see a cool direction for the story to go and i want to get there like well it's because they have a plan right
1: Right. the proactive player has a plan so when there's a gap they'll just kind of move the game in the direction that their plan goes towards right right so they so it's you know when there's a gap they'll fill it because they kind of already know what they want to do so
0: you know who's the quintessential proactive player that i play with on a biweekly basis is uh is wen yeah, he's, he's he's totally he is yeah, comes to the table a with a plan. Yes. Yep. And like letters pre-written like. Yeah, exactly. That's a
1: proactive <laughs> player. Right. Yeah. So a reactive GM is a lot of times what we refer to as the improv GM. Yeah. Right. Like this is the GM who doesn't write a lot of material, who shows up with an idea, kicks the table into motion with the idea and then like just lets it flow.
0: Right. right? It's it's like um it's like setting the top spinning and then you just Push it. You just yeah. keep pushing it to keep it spinning. But the players do the spinning, and you just got to make sure it kind of keeps going, right?
1: Right. So the reactive player then is a player who waits to see what's happening and kind of makes their move based on where the story is going. Yes. Right. They they don't really come in with an agenda for their character. They kind of just like, well, let me see what's happening tonight. Okay, I see where I fit. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna fit in here. Right. Now, let me ask you a question. Yeah. I know as a GM that when I was younger, I was very much a proactive. I was a very heavy proactive GM. Yeah. I flipped that a few years ago, learned how to be a reactive GM. And now I basically pick which GM I'm going to be based on the game. Like right now, I am finishing my Tales from the Loop game which I was a very proactive GM because yeah. that was a mystery-based game. Yep. And I'm about to start Scum and Villainy in a couple of weeks where I will go back to being a very reactive GM because that game is much more suited for reactive um, style jamming. I think I know, I'm pretty sure I know the answer to this. You <laughs> are a very reactive GM.
0: That is always my preference. I like to, I so in two ways, right? I will run games that can run kind of by any style. I will run them as reactive games, right? Like D and D or whatever. Um, They take a little bit more upfront proactivity on my part to create a scenario in which I can run them reactively, right? Versus, I really, really enjoy running games that are very reactive. Because it makes it super duper easy for me because that is my preference. That's the place that I like to live.
1: So now the question I want to ask you. Yeah. Is what kind of player are you?
0: Um, That's really interesting. I think that I mix them a lot more as a player than I do as a GM.
1: So not completely one side or the other.
0: Right. I think I still probably fall a little bit more on the reactive side as a player but I tend to sometimes be a little bit more proactive as a player than I necessarily like to get as a GM. I had some really bad experiences as a new GM hitting the pitfalls of being a very proactive GM, which is over-freaking-planning. It didn't work for me, right? So I stopped GMing until I discovered that I could be a reactive GM. So That's what I'm getting to. What kind of player are you, Mr. Flippy back-and-forthy switchy?
1: Um, I'm actually, as a player, I'm almost always a reactive player. Yeah. I tend not to go to games with any thought about what I'm going to do with my character. And I just kind of wait to see what's happening in the story and then kind of like jump in there. Yeah. Even my more forceful character, like, I'm just thinking like, like, Corin, my barbarian, was a very forceful, kind of dominating, like, character. But I was still a reactive player. Like, I just kind of did what Corrin, like, I just kind of saw what Chris was putting out there, and, like, that's what Corrin did that week. Where, so the initiate that I'm playing in Monster of the Week, I'm playing that as a support character, and I am very reactive. Like, yeah. I don't I don't push any scene forward. I kind of use my stuff to help everyone else. So I am definitely a very reactive player. And I actually like it that way. I like to just show up at the table knowing who my character is and then just being like, all right, let's see what happens tonight.
0: Like, Right. And I, I will say, so it's harder for me to define the proactive player from the GM because the GM is stereotypically a proactive role and the player is stereotypically a reactive role. And that tends to be how we think about them. In so, traditional games, In traditional yes. games. um, And so it's I find it harder to define the proactive player. I do think that you can be proactive as a player without necessarily having done prep outside the game. You can still be a player who basically takes the story and pushes it forward and runs with it, even just in the game. Um, sure. As I mean, I've,
1: it, right? I have seen... like. I have seen proactive players like right. when. So when is actually a when is a good example because I've heard you tell stories about this, right? So oh man, I've heard you. I've heard you tell stories where when gets to the table before the game starts, yeah. and is like we should have a scene tonight where this happens,
0: right? And that when like, he's is
1: a proactive player,
0: yeah, he shows up, but I mean. When is like the proactive player, because he shows up like, you know, with pre-written letters and stuff, like yeah. ready to go. And he already knows his backstory of everything that happened between our old Tales from the Loop game and the one that we're about to start. See, and that's I don't that's, know any of it.
1: <laughs> right. That, and that's what I'm saying. Like a proactive player is kind of the proactive player is prepping their character. Yeah, yeah. And prepping what they want to have happen in the game. Outside of what's going to happen, right? Like they'll find a way to fit what they what they came in with oh, yeah. into the game, and it sometimes looks um, reactive. But I think the difference is, is like they're prepared to move forward.
0: Whereas, yeah, like if they, the game
1: comes to a halt yeah. when I'm playing, yeah, I just kind of look for a second and I'm like, like,
0: okay, GM, am
1: I like <laughs> you want me to kick the can next? Right? Okay.
0: Yeah, but right. I. So the 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 last thing that I will say on that is I think it's possible to be a proactive player who doesn't necessarily plan outside the game, but is still the person who always picks up the slack and keeps the game running. Right?
1: I think it's I think it's fair. Yeah, I think it's fair. Okay, Okay. I'm going to throw a few more terms out there, and then we got to get into some defining
0: things. Oh boy!
1: Uh, Next one is prep. Uh, You mentioned it when you were talking about proactive players, and I'll mention it again. Prep, otherwise known as preparation, is to prepare some part of the game, right? So the most common uh, ones that we talk about are session prep, the prep we do to get a given session ready. Mm -hmm. Uh, Campaign prep, which is kind of preparing the campaign, sometimes also known as campaign management. So the prep you do between sessions of your game or while planning out arcs and things like that. That is all campaign prep. Uh, And then we just kind of touched on it a little because I'll I'll just throw it in because it wasn't in the notes. Uh, But there is character prep. So Mm -hmm. there's prep that you do like to kind of prepare your character uh, for a given session. Prep comes in many shapes and forms. Um, It can be very detailed, very specific. It can be very minimalistic. Um, We honestly could do a series of shows on prep alone. So I'm not even going to go any further into that other than that's what prep is. Tell me about play.
0: Yeah, so play is the part where we are actually playing the game at the table or on Hangouts, wherever, you know, Roll20, however you're doing this. And it's the part of the game that we use the prep that we did to now actually be creating story, right? And then it generates that story, which can fuel more prep as you then take that and weave it back in,
1: right? Yeah, prep leads to play. and and Let's just talk about this right now. Yeah, yeah. Prep leads to play. Yep. The result of play is the story, story. right? Because yep. that's the thing we can tell, like, what happened. Yep. Um, stuff from the story is then mined in prep to for the next iteration of the cycle. So it's like a circle, right? Prep, play, story, loops back to prep. Yep. And then, like, you either go around that. Um, so when you do it for a one-shot, it's prep, play, story, that's it. And if you if you do it for a campaign, then that cycle is prep, play, story, prep, and then uh, around and around and around.
0: Yeah.
1: Okay. Made that makes sense. Yeah, I think so. Good. Good. Okay. All right. So in this cycle, the proactive and reactive GMs kind of approach this in different ways, and I'll kind of illustrate both ways. So the proactive GM is gonna is gonna approach prep. Uh, with the mind to come up with a plan for how things should go and then use that prep to guide play to create a particular type of story so they're looking to have a certain kind of experience and that's like their end goal is to get pretty close to that um, experience when they get to the story part it's never 100 percent because that would be a railroad mm-hmm. but um, you are again prepping to kind of create a particular type of story the reactive GM, on the other hand, approaches prep with the mind of bringing something to get the game started. And then, like, that's it. Like, get the game rolling. Yep. We'll see where the story takes us. Uh huh. And then use that bit of story to figure out what to, uh, to pull to kick the next session off. So the difference is that the proactive GM has some idea of what the story is going to come out in the end. And the reactive GM has no idea. One of the things reactive GMs, and having been one myself, or am one myself, uh, like about that style, is that the story is a complete surprise. Yeah. I do both of these, because you, we've talked about this in the past, you can't really reactive GM mysteries. Now, before everybody starts getting on Twitter, you can, I've explained what happens when you do in previous podcasts, go look it up. Sure, we've we've talked about this. I've done my homework on this. Yes. Okay moving along to get us out of definitions. So with that, we have two different types of GMs, proactive and a reactive. We have two different types of games, one shots and campaigns. And normally this would be the part where we tell you that Senda takes one shots and I'll take campaigns, but that is not how we're doing it tonight.
0: That's true. Tonight, I will take on the role of the reactive GM.
1: I will take on the role of the proactive GM.
0: And we're both actually going to talk about one-shots and campaigns from those specific perspectives.
1: We are, and we're not going to waste any time. So the way we're going to do this to kind of break it up so it isn't monotonous with one of us just talking is we're actually going to go back and forth giving points of advice. We're going to do three points each. You're going to do the reactive, I'm going to do the proactive, and we're just going to kind of go back and forth. So send up for one-shots, what is your first piece of advice for the reactive GM?
0: Right, and I will just say, like, of course, we could have even more, but this is a short-form show, so we're not going to. So we're just going to do three each, okay? Um, you got it. So reactive, the, the first piece of advice for one-shots and reactive GMs is my favorite one, and I use it all the time, and it is that you have to kind of get reactive early. So that means jump into the action as close as you can. Like, Like, jump them in. The faster you start them into a thing that they're doing, that they're reacting to, and then feeding off of each other, the faster you get into being a reactive GM, right? the less weird stuff you have to do to get set up. Um, So very, very frequently, I will do things like start everybody in media res, or there's a specific like, you know, framework thing that it's like, okay, you're starting here, go, right, to get into the game as fast as possible. And that's always good advice to like not bury the lead on a one shot, but it's really, really important if you're trying to get to a reactive space, right? because you have to get things moving. Okay, so Phil, tell me the uh, first piece of proactive advice that you have.
1: Sure. So the first piece of proactive advice is simplicity. When you're doing a one-shot, your biggest danger is over-prepping. So what I mean by over-prepping is where you spend more time prepping than you actually will get out of the session, like more materials prepped than you will actually use. I have heard people say, I crammed a six hour session into a four hour game. Um, that is bad. Um, you are over prepping. So don't overdo your story for a one shot. S- keep things simple. You do not need a super complicated plot in a four hour one shot. And if you're doing like a two hour one shot, you need even less. Like, so keep it simple. That's my first piece of advice. Send What's your second piece of advice?
0: Well, the thing as a reactive GM that you always have to be really careful about is your clock management, because you don't necessarily know where this game is going, right? So you have to keep an eye on the time um, because you have to keep you. Even though you haven't planned a plan for this game, you're still responsible for kind of hitting the beats in the right amounts of time, right? So about a quarter of the way into the game, Everybody should know what the problem is and they should be like encountering their first issue. And then by the halfway point through the time that you have, they should be like on their way towards coming up with a solution to that, right? And then three quarters of the way through, they should be like building into that final conflict or starting that final conflict so that you're managing that time. And I I mean, as a very reactive GM and someone who runs a lot of very reactive games, clock management is probably the hardest part, I think. Of doing it. I agree. Yeah. What's your next one?
1: Uh, My next one is uh, have a destination, not a path. So when you are prepping your one shot, the part of the game that you have the least control of is how things get done. So you have a lot of control in presenting this is the problem. And you have a decent amount of control in this is the set piece ending that I want to have the middle is the messy, squishy part. So don't overplan that part because that's the part that players will say is a railroad, yeah. okay? Players never recognize the bookends, right? Players don't recognize a hard opening and a set piece encounter at the end. What they, what they don't like is when they're trying to steer themselves towards the end and you are uh, thwarting them because you're railroading. So have the destination in mind. That's your set piece encounter. Don't worry about the path as much, be flexible about that part and just let that, um, happen. I usually jot a few notes when I'm doing a proactive prep for a game like this, where I'll say, okay, here's probably three or four ways the players can get, to the ending, they could, you know, they could take the mountain pass, they can take the secret tunnel, they can take the, you know, they can take the, um, the field to the east, whatever. And then I'll just jot a few notes like, this is what happens if you go in the mountain pass, this is what happens if you take secret tunnel, this is what happens when you take the field. And then let the players pick, right? So, whichever one they pick, you can just go, like, you can grab your notes. And go for so again be flexible on the path that which they get to the end of the of the story
0: so my last one my last point is keeping things moving so this is the last thing that you have to pay a lot of attention to as a reactive gm which is you know if the players are generating story and they're moving in a direction then your job is just to kind of keep things moving along and that's that like you set the top spinning and then you just keep it spinning thing right But if the top starts to slow down, so if your players fall out of that proactive mode where they're driving things, then it is your job to get them going again. So that means you have to give them something to get them moving again, something that they can be proactive against or to do so that you can get back into that reactive space as quickly as you can. Um, So some really useful things for that, ask leading questions, right? Right so that you can immediately start generating things that they're, you know, functionally reacting to and being able to be proactive about. Bust in the door with ninjas, but basically, you know, like something attacks, like force them to be active in this scene, right? Or You can also advance something off screen. And when you do that advance something off screen, it can't be a silent advance something off screen. Like it has to be an ominous thing that you described that, again, gives them actions to do, right? So when they run out of when the top slows down and you have to get it spinning again, the thing you have to give them is actions that they can be proactive about so that you can be reactive again. What's your last bit?
1: Uh, My last one for one shots is use pregens. So if you are playing a game uh, where setting up pregens works, so this doesn't really apply to powered by the apocalypse games, but it applies to almost everything else. Using pregens let you lets you prep the characters for the adventure. And what I mean by that is that you give them certain skills and you do not give them certain skills. You are shaping the path of possible solutions. So, for instance, if you if you have a, um, let's say you have a spy uh, story, and you don't give anyone hacking, right? You're shaping, I, I mean, it's kind of cruel, but you're, you're shaping <laughs> yeah. the game to go in a particular direction because you've basically taken that piece off the table. And so, you can subtly... You can subtly make these fixes. Like, let's go back to that fantasy thing with the mountain pass and all of that. If one of the choices is river and no one has boating or swim. Right. Like, you don't have to worry about the river. (laughs) Like, you've taken that off the table. You can be like, oh, a river runs to the west. And then all the players look and go, "Mm, not the river what are our other choices <laughs> right and and you've and you've kind of steered them into uh, where you're going so pregens are a great way to do that now i say you can't do that in pbta games because uh, you have playbooks the cool thing about pbta playbooks is that they are very narrow so the pre the pregen that you can do for pbta the counter like the complement to this A piece of advice is select which playbooks you put on the table. So I do this with hydro hackers. If I'm not playing with a full table of people, I know for the adventure I'm running, which playbooks need to be on the table, which ones I will take off the table and which, and depending on which ones are on there shapes, the way the game's going to go based on what the playbooks can do. Yeah. You can do that. You do not have to put every dungeon world playbook down. You can put certain ones down and that will shape what your dungeon world adventure would look like. Okay. Moving on. Uh Let's now do the same thing for campaigns. And I will start this time. My first piece of proactive advice for campaigns is know the story that you want to tell a campaign is its own story. So if you're going to do a proactive campaign and, and by proactive campaign, I mean your campaign has a purpose Um, not we're going to go play D and D and we're just going to go play a bunch of adventures. That's, that's a campaign that is not a very, that's not a highly proactive campaign. Like you are just playing out material week after week. For instance, my uh, throne of the demon King campaign, which was like a three year long campaign. I ran years ago, that campaign from day one had the goal of removing the demon King from his throne. We didn't all know how that was going to get done, but we all knew that was the story we were going to tell. We didn't know who would live, we didn't know who would die, or any of the things. Like I didn't have any of that planned out in advance, but I knew from day one: this campaign ends when the Demon King it gets it gets taken off the throne. Um, and and what that does for you is it gives you. Uh, the ultimate shape of the campaign like it gives you something that you're always driving towards as you're planning the rest of the campaign out don't kind of similar to the one-shot advice don't worry so much about the middle yet when you start to plan it just know the ending we'll figure out how we're going to get there along the way okay that's my first piece
0: So my first piece of reactive advice is to actually put out a number of potential seeds for adventures when you start, right? You don't necessarily have to have everything planned out, but you have to give your players a lot of potential things to be active about. And it's basically like you need to get the action going as fast as possible, just kind of like you did in a one shot. So you can even still start like in media res, but you can give them lots of different things to chase. Yeah, you can worry about weaving that stuff to get back together later, right? Like you got to have bits that will drive proactivity from your players, so that you can be reactive. That's that's kind of my absolutely yeah.
1: Sneezak actually, um, his Airy Peaks campaign was exactly that. He did a whole bunch of upfront. Figuring out of all the seeds. Right. Dumped them all out in the game. Right. Started us in media res. Yep. And kicked off a, like, basically a two-year campaign with that.
0: Yeah. I mean, heck yeah. Just go.
1: All right. There it is. My second piece of advice for campaigns is outline your arcs. So, my first piece of advice was talking about the overall campaign, the story you want to tell. The arcs are going to be the stories about how you get towards the end, right? And each arc can kind of build up towards the end. If you're doing like a classic three act structure, each arc can be an act. But your arcs have a beginning, middle and end. Now I will reference any older misdirected Mark episode arc of the misdirected. I forget the number for it, but it is a a whole evening of Chris and I talking about arcs and building them and stuff like that. Just like you have a destination for your campaign, your arcs should have a purpose. So know what the purpose is for your arcs. Like for instance, in my, um, uh, Demon King campaign, one of the arcs, it was not the first arc, I think it was the second arc, the players basically said to me, we need a place to inhabit where the demons won't come and kill us, right? We need we need a Helm's Deep. And I was like, all right, I'm going to go make an arc about getting your own Helm's Deep. Um, and of course, it didn't look like Helm's Deep when I was done with it, but I constructed, a, I constructed an arc of probably like five or six sessions that led to that, right? That was the goal of that arc was they needed a a place that they could defend themselves from the demons and, and rally like some strength together. So that's what I did. So outline your arc, know what the purpose of your arc is, and kind of go through how you're going to get there. Okay. That's my uh, proactive advice for arcs.
0: Okay. Reactive. So... The other thing with reactive is to pay attention to what your players are actually interested in. So both when you're actually playing and in between sessions, you can see um, both actively and by like asking them, right, what are the things that your players are gravitating towards? What's really getting their attention? What are they really interested in? Those are the things that you can highlight in your next session, right? And they'll be super duper into it. Um, Like, and this gets into a lot of communication stuff. You can just ask people at the end of the session, like, what are you guys super into? Like, what's the next thing that we're looking at? What are you, what are you feeling, right? And then you can use that to guide what happens in the next session or what direction you're kind of going in. Yeah, so basically, pay attention to what's making your players be active and proactive so that you can continue to be reactive.
1: Mm -hmm. Absolutely.
0: (laughs) What's your next campaign
1: tip? Uh, My last one for this segment is adapt your arcs based on play. So as you're playing, you have kind of prepped the direction in which things are going. You kind of know where you want to land, Uh, but now things are happening in the game that may make some of those things difficult. And so what happens is that like activities occur in the game that suddenly make the thing that you want to accomplish more difficult. Like, for instance, you have uh, an arc and in that arc, you are going to bring out uh, your boss, you know, your big bad guy, Baron Von Badass or whatever. Mm -hmm. And you're just going to have them like in the middle of the arc show up, have a brief, you know, a brief um, scrap with the players fade off and then they'll be back at the end of the arc. Except that, the players kill Baron von Badass How um, right they? in the middle of the arc. <laughs> um, I mean, a few lucky rolls. It's Savage World. Right. Somebody explodes like ten dice. Yep, he's right, dead. utterly. Right, yeah. utterly eliminates him. Now the problem is, like, you needed Baron von Badass to explain the end of the arc, but Baron von Badass is dead. So what you have to do now is don't change your whole arc. But instead, like based on play, when you go back to doing your prep, figure out how you can kind of keep that together by incorporating what happened. So, yes, Baron Von Badass got killed, but Baron Von Badass's sponsor is the one that gets revealed in the in the third act of this arc. And, and, you know, confronted, that kind of thing. Like, you know, this way the arc can still kind of get to where I need it to be, but, I, I, but it's not going to be Baron Von Badass who did it. Instead, it's going to be, you know, Lord, I don't know, Unbeatable, something like that. Whatever stupid name I give him. <laughs> but yeah, adapt those arcs. Like, you have to, you're planning it, but you also have to now reincorporate what's happening from the story into it. Okay, that's me. Last piece for you.
0: So uh, the last piece for me as reactive is to take notes in play. And this is super super, super important as a reactive GM in a campaign, right? Because the thing that you're doing is reacting or doing lots and lots of improv, right? But this is an ongoing campaign. It's not a one shot. So this stuff matters. You have to keep track of it because you're going to have to keep some of it and reflect it in future sessions so that you have continuity throughout your campaign, right? So you're going to need to remember the name of their favorite barmaid, at the inn, because if you don't, they're going to ask for her again, and you're not going to remember her name, right? Like, it's just that kind of stuff, and that that gets down to campaign continuity. you got to do it. So you got to take really good notes during the session, and then if you are like me and those are pretty much useless and illegible for actually finding things later, then you need to have a way that you can clean them up or archive them or make them more searchable so that you can access them when you need them at a later date. And you can also consider something like a post-game debrief where you can capture what happened in the game and get it down somewhere so that you guys can reference it later. Like maybe somebody takes notes like it's someone's job to like, okay, and this is where we are, whatever it is. But have a way that you can jump right back in at that point and that you guys don't get lost because you didn't prep this. So you may not remember in two weeks or in a month or whatever when you jump back in where you were. So yeah, notes. Take copious notes, make them searchable.
1: (laughs) Right, a thing you don't have to do for one shots.
0: Right, you don't have to do. You
1: have to do, but you do have to do when you get into campaigns. One
0: (laughs) hundred percent.
1: Okay, those are our quick tips for reactive and proactive GMs. Um, It's all we can fit in tonight's episode, but I promise you, we only scratched the surface. Uh Um, So, if you liked. Any of the, if you liked any of the advice or were curious about us kind of breaking some of those open more, let us know um, when we talk about how to find us in the closing of the show, and um, we will, we'll do another show. We'll happily do one. But before we close out the show... Senda's going to tell us about another show on the Misdirected Mark Network.
0: Yeah. On the lounge, Doc finds the best, the brightest, the most fun game designers and sits down to have a cool chat with them. You never know what conversation is going to come up in the lounge.
1: Excellent. Say, Senda, uh, where can people reach us on the internet?
0: Well, you can find us on Twitter at Pandas Talk Games. You can find us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Pandas Talk Games. You can find us in the Misdirected Mark Google Plus community, or you can drop us an email panda at MisdirectedMark.com. And Phil, once they find us in one of those places, what can they do with that information?
1: Please, please, please leave us topics. We love to get topics for uh, the show. We've been we getting a love bunch. We, we it's good we're getting a bunch we needed yeah. a bunch yeah. um i still think we should entertain the idea of doing a twitch telethon for more topics <laughs> i agree i think people i think people might dig us hanging out on twitch right. um live <laughs> looking yep. for topics um not so answering yeah. them
0: just looking for them yeah I just, just I mean, them well back. you
1: know we can just comment on them like "ooh, good topic right. or oh i you know i gotta <laughs> have some ideas on that one anyway um Yeah, we love we love your topics. Please send them to us. We love actually talking about the things that you're interested in. It's fun for us and uh, hopefully meaningful for all of you. So uh, please, by all means, uh, keep sending in those topics. Don't worry about what format. I'll figure out where that what kind of show they fit in. We're becoming more and more adaptable each week. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) <laughs> uh besides topics send what else can people do with our social media information
0: well you can send us your table selfies and hey the queen city conquest is coming right on up so if you're gonna be there you should totally be taking some table selfies of you playing that awesome game with those awesome people so when you take that table selfie hashtag it table selfie and post it on the social media of your choice and we will sing swing by and like it because we like to see what you guys are playing
1: And if you like what we do here elsewhere on the Misdirected Mark Network, you can always back our Patreon campaign. Go to patreon.com slash MMP. Patrons get the bonus outtakes from this show, the Misdirected Mark After Show, all sorts of various goodies. In fact, if you were a $10 patron, you'd already have your copy of Hydro Hackers. Um Uh Uh-huh. That's happening. Wow. As well as other goodies uh, as we design stuff at Encoded Designs. We like to share them out with our patrons. We also like to shout out to our patrons. I have a fun list to shout out tonight. Do you want to do the first one?
0: No, because you still need to. I can say the second one. That's it.
1: Okay. I'll do the first and the third. Uh, Starting with Donnie Harville, Lord of the Slack Room. Thank
0: you. Thanks, Donnie. Thank you very much. (laughs) Cool guy. JJ Lanza, hey, J.J., thank you.
1: And, of course, if I have already mentioned Donnie Harville, Uh I must be mentioning Chris Steele. Yep. (laughs) Thanks, Chris. (laughs) Say, Senda, what's the other thing people can do besides uh, supporting the Patreon campaign that makes us fall out of our chairs like happy little pandas? Yeah,
0: except you're not allowed to fall out of your chair. Anymore. No falling. Yeah, no, no, no. Okay, well, you can leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or the podcatcher of your choice if it lets you do reviews. Every review that we get really does actually help new people find the show. If you leave it somewhere other than apparently the US iTunes, because we've been missing some international ones, let us know because we want to see it. It makes us super duper happy. It's artistic validation and all sorts of things like that. And we love you guys. Thank you so much for leaving them. So, Phil. Phil show me how you're going to prep your one shot for long live the queen is that reactive or proactive this show is a joint production of she's a super geek and misdirected mark productions the media arm of encoded designs you got, eh, show me what you got show me what you got, eh, show, me
1: what you got eh, show me what you got show me what you got eh, show me what you got me clicky lock La
0: click <laughs> get it's, everybody in their it's stuff french together for,
1: it's french for click lock click Bloop. you've rearranged your recording uh, environment
0: i have but i was thinking oh it's fine i'll just record at my desk and then the air conditioning came on, and I was like, "Fuck! I'm not recording in Antarctica."
1: I know you need to move your desk to the other wall. I
0: know. I actually do. I, I need to figure out how that's going to happen.
1: Well, you move the desk to the other wall.
0: <laughs> I know, but it the takes stuff like at the
1: other wall and put it over where the air conditioner is. <laughs> uh.
0: Uh, I'm gonna buy you a silicone straw and you're gonna buy me a magnet thingy.
1: Magnetic air vent mount. Oh no no that's that's what we're that's talking for about. Car. That's for Bloop. now it just says vent magnetic, which sounds like some like awesome like band. <laughs> like
0: Yeah, vent magnetic.
1: Yeah, that's, um, that's they it... went
0: on tour with the ditch lilies for a couple of years, yeah. didn't
1: they? Yeah, oh it is. Okay, found it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's a deflector. That's what it's called. It's a vent a deflector. deflector.
0: Vent deflector, the magnetic vent deflectors.
1: Bloops. Luke, you turned off your you turned off your vent deflector.
0: <laughs> Are you sure you want to freeze? Bloop. Vent magnetic. But so you remember when the Ditch Lilies went on tour with the vent magnetic though, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, vent yeah, I mean it was a real I mean, what a weird mismatch, right? Because Vent Magnetic was like Vent Magnetic was a um was a metal band in a time when metal was kind of on the outs for a little while, like I yeah, mean, yeah, in the yeah. '90s. Um, I, I mean, those guys were. I mean, those guys were good, right? Like, I mean, they were decent enough I mean, guys. But um, I wasn't
0: super into them because I was never super into metal. But like, I ended up hearing a bunch of them because they were on tour with the Ditch Lilies. Yeah,
1: right? yeah. I mean, I heard that Lily dated the lead singer for a little while, but I mean, also not completely surprising. Um. <laughs> but yeah yeah vent magnetic um vent magnetic was (laughs) here's the thing about them right like so they did the they did the midwest tour with with ditch lilies right and they yeah um like somewhere around missouri they parted um and those guys like they were they were gone for a while they made it back out to la and like basically weathered the rest of grunge and uh when corn came around um, they actually played like a bunch of um, small venue gigs with an uh, early corn before corn got uh, f- like went like went big.
0: Wow! Like yeah, how did they stay so small? Like that was I, weird. They, I got, mean, passed I yeah, they I mean, got passed over. Yeah, I mean they were just
1: over. they ideally should have been ten years younger. Right. Vent magnetic would have been like another Metallica, but. Um, but ultimately what happened was that um they gigged for a little while in the late in the mid to late 90s with Corn. but um when they went to Europe
0: um, yeah, yeah, yeah. they
1: became like gods in Prague like in in Prague like they would sell out like whole soccer stadiums but in the states they could barely like fill like a bar so right. they just like they kind of gave up on the U.S. and they just like rocked Eastern Europe for the rest of the '90s.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's awesome. I don't think I knew that about them. Yeah, I mean, I didn't, I didn't know a lot outside of their connection to the Ditch Lilies, right? Like, yeah. yeah,
1: I mean, they're like, I mean, they're like the Metal Gods of Prague is uh, is actually <laughs> like what they're known as like today. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, fantastic. So, should we start a show now?
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Bloop. Good. Vent I, mean, I mean,
1: yeah, you didn't even, I mean, not even digitally trivia, like you got, you got vent magnetic trivia, which is like, the, I know shit is rare.
0: <laughs> like,
1: it is, Right. Uh, I
0: mean, like, give me, give me some, give me some titles of like, what's one of their albums?
1: Oh, um, I mean, so let's see, uh, album titles. I was thinking of singles, but, uh, album titles. Well, you could
0: do singles. I- I'll accept singles.
1: Oh, um, so probably my favorite is, um. Uh, Cleanse in fire, right? Like yeah. that's a uh, yeah. that was a good one. Um, uh, autonomic autonomic drone. That's a that's a great one about consumerism. Like the right. whole, you know, it's like a, it's it's really it, the lyrics are really fast, um, but it's actually like a really great um, discussion on the evils of consumerism and marketing and things like that.
0: Didn't they do like? Wasn't there one? Was it what was it? Fly in the amber. Is that them?
1: Fly in the Amber? I think that's an Outlander book.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Are you making fun of my made-up band songs? <laughs> Damn you. Let's start the show.
1: Bloop. No, Dragon no, fly, is it really? Dragonfly in Amber. No, no, I, am, I didn't say Dragonfly. I'm just saying Fine. Dragonfly in Amber. Fine. Dra- that that Fine. was a, uh, what you call it? Um Yeah, what happens in Dragonfly in Amber? Hang on.
0: I don't know. I didn't say dragonfly though. I just said fly in the amber.
1: Okay, I'm just saying it's it that that one is an Outlander novel. I think you might have been confused. Bloop. Meow. Meow. Oh wait 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 wait. Hey, Phil.
0: Okay, fine. I'm gonna drink water. You clunk your clunky clunky straw clunkiness.
1: Bloop Wow All right, do it.
0: Okay, okay.
1: Bloop Yeah, we should swing it. <laughs> <laughs> don't don't boom boom. Oh, I got Muppet
0: Head. He's so caffeinated, I'm getting Muppet Head. This is great.
1: Caffeinated and I took a nap at nine o'clock at night.
0: You're not going to sleep tonight. It's already like after midnight. I'm just saying.
1: After midnight, we all let it all hang out. Sorry. Bloop. What the hell did you just Sorry. do? To you? Is there a bug on your mic? No, I, I mean, did your mic come? Is your mic a, is is, is your mic a, um, a uh, mimic? No. For did it come to, did it come to life and you had to attack I, it?
0: it in. I have to keep recording. Can't put
1: it in. I was just trying to push my glasses up. <laughs> Were you trying to push Hold your glasses on. up with your mic? <laughs> no. Like this? No.
0: It just... I hit the, the wire. <laughs> this thing gets me in trouble all the time, this part. Bloop.
1: Actually, it's pretty reactive. Oh. Uh, I'm, I'm going pretty reactive with this one, although I'm still putting all my notes in one note, so... <laughs>
0: Show me what you got. got. Show me what you got. Show me what you
1: got. Show me it's an hour. Show me what you got. It's an hour. It's an hour. You're gonna have to do some aggressive cutting.
0: Uh, No, I'm not. It's just gonna be an hour.
1: (laughs) All right. Sorry, we did some. We did some short ones, but you got to do a long one before Uh, you're done. All right. We should blow out of here. Yeah. Okay. Say goodbye.